everybody, welcome back to the Paradise Podcast Network. My name is Scotty Scott Borgstrom. Uh, we have Corey Paradise and Alfredo Garibay joining us today, as usual. Um, how are we doing today, guys? How are we doing? Yes. Doing all right. Yes. <laughs> that's not how that yeah. works. That's my thing, and that's not how that works. Dude, I've appropriated <laughs> it, man. Works. It's actually a part of me now. Um I w- wow. I would vent I would venture to say I have successfully vultured it from you. So would you say a lot has friends. happened for you within the week? N- no, this this has been going on for months, dude. Really? Yeah, yeah. So it was like, I, a, it, like a slow process, right? Like a caterpillar. No, it was instantly like my friends would be like, "You want to go here or here?" And I'd just be like, "Yes." And and then and obviously in my head I think of Corey, but in their heads, anytime someone does that shit, they're like, "Okay, Alfredo." So you know, it's got fucking layers. First you know what I'm saying? Well, I'm glad to contribute to your personality in lieu of, of mine. Course, you know, I'm just like America, man. I'm a what? I'm a melting pot. I'm a welting pot, or I'm a melting pot. Now you I decide. fixed it those anyway. Are, and those I didn't have to, and I didn't have to call things. it out. <laughs> like, but uh, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a melting pot. I'm a oh conglomeration. No. I'm a product of my environment. You know, and Corey, you were a big part of that environment. Was I? Was I a good influence? When your mom talked about me behind closed doors. Was I considered a good influence or a bad influence? Yes. <laughs> there we go. I think you got your answer. <laughs> oh my goodness. You guys are turning into jokers right in front of me. Crumbles. Society? That stuff was gnarly. Like the laughter uh, in this is, you know, the Joker laugh is generally pretty, like, it's hysterical, but there's like, I don't know. This one's like, like there's life behind it, but this one is like oh, a choking. I, this is like I was yeah, I was gonna say this one's like sad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, the you, whole movie feel bad. Can be sad too, right? Like, I I think it just reflects the character. It's just almost what like a movie, Scott? Well, it would be Joker, 2019. <laughs> no, not the character. The movie. I said Joker, 2019. I separated it from the character. <laughs> Mm. See, by by adding the 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 date of the movie that came out, right? It's like Sonic Six, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You following mm-hmm. with me? Mm-hmm. Are you guys good like, at that? God, or like God of War 26, 2018? Dude, I keep thinking God of War <laughs> came out twenty sixteen, man. Um, it did not. It did not. It did no, not. It, it came out twenty eighteen. Joker did come out in twenty nineteen. So yeah, but this is a this is an episode about. on God of War, dude. We're a gaming podcast. I mean, right? you Can't to you tell by the, the title intro? here? Isn't the intro I think chip? You need to reread the title here today. <laughs> why don't you? Why don't you get a, a beef chattel to go? Huh? A what? I don't even know what that is. Um, Scott, do you want to explain to Corey what beef chattel is? Oh, did you have that yesterday? Was that part yeah, of the it's, culinary it's, it's... like exhibition you had yesterday? Yeah, yeah. The, the steak out we had yesterday. Literally steak out, like steaks out. Yeah. Steaks out, forks up, tummies hungry. Hotel Trevano. And that's how I felt when I watched The Joker. (laughs) (laughs) Your tummy was hungry? The Marvelous movie. This is the third time that I saw this movie. Mm -hmm. Well, okay, so my question question to you, sorry to interrupt, but my question to you, because you've seen this three times already, um, has this movie given you like a different take or has this movie sort of like changed well, let's just the say way? I think we live in a society. 
Ooh, okay, okay. More, more. Tell me more. Tell uh, me more. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's um, it's just one of those movies that's really good from beginning to end. Like I felt like they hit a tone really well, and outside of like a handful of scenes, like you know, and, and maybe we'll get into it unless we want to get into it now. But there's like there's one scene in particular that like the first time I viewed it in theater, watching it on the big screen, I went, "What the." fuck like this was an executive decision for sure because this is a like the movie doesn't feel like this at all um but it was that scene when he's walking down the stairs and he's finally like liberated he he has become the joker and it's like and it's like whoa what like it defies all the rest of the tone and the rest of like the music in the film, and it goes to like this very like, I don't know, very on the nose kind of thing. And uh, yeah. that was the would only you say, scene. Would that, you say that, is that is the moment that he seizes that his life is a comedy? Not that he realizes it, but just where he embraces it. Uh, He's like, my life oh is no, a comedy. That's, that's an interesting idea. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I think there's like several points in the film for sure that like are very like this is where he opens up or like this is where he realizes everything that he's had has been there. And now he's finally making that jump to becoming the Joker. Like in the scene in the bathroom is what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, After he shoots those two boys and then runs into the bathroom, that's like a very like metamorphosizing scene, like coming into his own skin. Mm -hmm. So I think you could say it there, but yeah, you know would you say that's where he uh he purges his old personality his old persona he's no longer yeah i think i think the bathroom scene is what like in the minds of the makers i think that's what that scene is supposed to represent is is him shave because do we want to get into it we haven't really even talked about the film or anything about it we're just kind of jumping into the like 10 we foot do it man right fly now. by the seat of our pants i'm just kidding well, do you want to introduce the uh the movie scott before we go uh, any further yeah sure so joker <laughs> is the um is basically the origin story of batman's famous arch rival and evil nemesis the joker you know if that wasn't obvious by the title but you know previously before i don't think joker's ever had like a true explanation about his you know his name where he was from you know uh, or his like past, and this is a very unique way of telling it. Um, and it starts out with um, you know the lead actor Joaquin Phoenix um, playing a a mentally ill person um, taking care of his mom, right, in a pretty shitty neighborhood in Gotham. Yeah, right? I, I I already want to stop you because I, yeah. I'm already. This is just something I want to voice, but I'm very curious uh-huh. how your take on it is because mm. I saw this with Alfie, so like. Uh-huh. Alfie only got to filter this movie so much before it was tainted by my incessant talking about it at the time. Like, right. I'm sure his your view of it is similar, <coughs> you know, to how I viewed it too. Especially because, mm-hmm. like, when I saw it with you, it was the second time I saw it, and then when I watched it a third time, I watched it with you, Scott. Mm-hmm. So, I've watched it with with a bunch of people, <laughs> and it's it's one of my favorite films. But I'm very interested to see how you kind of like how you view the Marvel or like the DC universe and how you like 
how it synthesizes to how you kind of I don't know process this film because right because in I the mean, research I did for it, mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting some of the things you just said and how it relates. But mm-hmm. I'm very interested to see where it goes. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm I'm gonna start off, you know, just after the brief summary at the beginning because I don't want to spoil this movie too hard, but there are gonna be spoilers in this movie, right? Um, I kind of want to leave people with a little little taste of it if you haven't seen it. Um, but watching the movie and kind of like assessing it right after the first my first initial like surface level reaction was that it's it's it is a telling of someone finding their own way in life you know um and whether it be like oh through failed attempt failed attempt failed attempt and then out of nowhere oh hey you finally got your moment right um granted it's not traditional in any way you know, um, DC is definitely taking a lot more darker tones in their movies compared to, you know, their their rivals in the uh, comic book industry, Marvel, right? Where Marvel is more, oh, upbeat, happy, you know, oh, there's always a good ending. There's always a good ending for the hero of the of the movie, right? And this one does technically have a good ending for Joker. You know, he finds... We want to know finds... something interesting. Hmm. Um, so the... One of the producers for this movie, I don't know if you uh-huh. watched the credits or did any research. One of the producers of this movie is Bradley Cooper. And he was talking about this this film in particular, talking about working with Joaquin Phoenix. One of the things he mentioned is that the uh, the director of this movie, mm-hmm. um, which pff, I should know this, watch this, Todd Phillips, that he came to Bradley Cooper and he had this idea for a darker alternate universe, like an alternate DC universe that Mm -hmm. starts with the Joker. And this was mentioned in like a, in passing of this, uh, like behind the scenes special. It was so quick. You can miss it. But he said that it was like the start of this Mm -hmm. darker universe that begins here with the Joker. And it's, uh, which I, I was blown away. I didn't even know Bradley Cooper was a producer, honestly. That that was kind of like, whoa, look at that. Yeah. Yeah, that's surprising. That's surprising. But I mean, the more the more you go deeper into it, um, you know, the more I ended up just feeling like he got dealt an incredibly bad hand, you know, as a character. Um, you know, he the Joker as a character, he just just one thing after another, you know, just no happy moment is given to him, you know. And eventually it does take a toll and he, he just snaps, you know? And the whole movie, I'm just like, well, things get better, right? You know, he, he goes to meet that neighbor girl, right? Oh, it's just in his imagination, right? Well, let me ask you something, Scott. Yeah. Did, knowing that the character is the Joker, mm-hmm. how much did you really believe it was going to get better? Like, did you, <sighs> like, did you really, like, what... I want to know your thought process, I guess is what okay, I'm saying. So, I, don't, I can't say, like, did you really believe that without saying, like, a condescending asshole? But so I, I thing, want to know what, what, you're, what you mean. Right, so here's the thing. The movie, it's named The Joker. You know, you've, you've seen the staircase scene, like we were talking about, you know, of him dancing. And you've obviously seen the Murray scene where, you know, Joker obviously fucking kills him, right? Um, but the whole movie does a great job of going, okay, well, maybe there's a chance. Maybe there's a chance. Maybe. What if, you know, maybe we give him this small brief. Maybe he feels better. You know, maybe he, we give him this, you know, we give him something, right? Let's give him the comedy scene at the, at the, you know, the comedy club. You know, we won't show the actual dialogue past, you know, a certain point. 
and we just show him with his arms open and the camera's like, uh, the lights are towards us, right? We leave mm-hmm. that to fill in the imagination, right? And then we shatter it down on Murray, right? We'll show Murray making fun of him, you know? Um, it does a great job of trying to give him this moment and then breaking it down even more, you know, I feel. Okay. Um, and I and I genuinely wanted him, you know, I kept rooting for him. I was like, oh, come on, you can, you, you, there is a good moment, you know, there's a good oh. moment somewhere, right? So you feel you, at, or I guess, uh, why do you feel you empathized with him, like, or, or sympathized? Do you feel mm-hmm. you, like, what, <clears throat> why did you feel bad for him knowing what he becomes and mm-hmm. in a sense like did you feel that his character was vindicated in the sense of like well no wonder he's the way he is look at all he went through or mm-hmm. or do you think that like do you think it was enough to justify like not feeling like well he should have rose above it he could have been a better person there was mm-hmm. more he could do or were you like nah man mm-hmm. Um, it definitely is more of like a, a sympathy thing, I would say in my case, where, you know, the whole time I'm just like, oh, I just, I feel bad because you know, people are taking advantage of him, you know, mm-hmm. um, like when, uh, Alfred gave him the gun, you know, I think that was his name, Alfred, the clown, right? Um, in the dressing room, he gave him the gun in the bag, right? Right. Um, you know, that I believe that was him making fun of him, right? Or him making, like, just waiting for a chance to, you know, make fun of him or, put him in that situation where he gets fired, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but you can tell people just are there to make fun of him. You know, they aren't there to um, cut him that same slack, right? And the only person who cuts him that slack is the girl in the elevator, um, Sophie. And he tends to hyper fixate on that a ton, you know. Um, and it, it does make you does make you root for that. You know, it, it pulls on your heartstrings a little. You know, this movie does, you know, if if you do feel a little more sympathetic, then you know, I would say some other people. It the movie does pull on your heartstrings. You know, do you uh, do you, you think better? So, do you think that the city failed him? Do you think that like the environment he was around didn't provide him the resources that he needed to be able to um to, to mm-hmm. avoid snapping to avoid like? Do you think he was just pushed and pushed to the brink over and over and over again? And mm-hmm. like, what do you think pushed him? Like, who? If you had to point the finger, if you had to say, "There's a Joker out there now," and it's your fault where would you point the finger oh goodness a part of me wants to point it towards murray right because ultimately he's the one that he like joker kind of realizes oh well you know my idol treats me like shit now so (laughs) you know the finger wants to be pointed to murray but it's not his fault completely you know okay why i think think that's an interesting jump to jump to murray because yeah because i feel like murray is like murray's the end goal yeah well i know like i I said i feel like murray is a is not an operator in any of this like Mm -hmm. he's he's roped into it at the end of this someone idolizes him to the nth degree in an unhealthy Mm -hmm. way you know that's that's on him yeah like the whole that, child on him childlike on... fantasy like the father yeah. figure fantasy that's that's 100 on him and that's it's interesting you mentioned that because there's a there's a parallel to that level of infatuation uh that he had and um like the way that sometimes <clears throat> less mature guys will you know envision being with a woman and they kind of put them up on a pedestal and then like 
they they kind of build up in their head what it could be like and you spend so much time in that fantasy realm instead of just going and talking to her and you know maybe get rejected maybe it works out that you uh you know if anything ever does come of it or if it doesn't meet your expectations it's on you like you spend all this time building it up and then you know you wasted time not making it happen and then when when it doesn't go your way like when it's not your little fantasy realm like you want to blame everything around you or you want to blame her like i don't i i don't know i have a hard time sympathizing with that aspect but like yeah the scene where he gets kicked around by the kids is awful like not awful i think it's done really well cinematically but that's that's probably the scene where i'm like come on guys he doesn't deserve this he's just doing his job like yeah. he broke his sign he's gonna have to pay for that i think the scene when he's starting to piece it all together that was when i watched it this time around the there was like um i for, I, I just had in my head there was one scene in particular i watched and i went I felt really particular about it differently, but this time around, the other thing I really picked up on was, you know, when he was starting to piece things together and realize like, like everything, it, nothing's true. You know, he, he can't, he, he's basically in this story. There is no choice for him to not become the Joker. You know, it's like, okay. mm -hmm. He searches for his mother or he like he reads the letters that his mom sends to Wayne um, or to the Waynes and like is told one thing and fully buys it. If fully is like this is the reality. And then he goes yeah. to the hospital and gets the records and reads those. And now that has to be the reality. And it's yeah, like he really doesn't question any narrative until he's presented a different one with just a little bit like with just enough evidence that it turns his whole world upside down so it, he he has a very volatile level of understanding where it's almost like two things can't be true at the same time in a yeah. sense yeah um like every every factoid exists in, in its own universe he's practically at least the way that the story is shot because i think there's something to be said about the kind of um, what's the word for it? Uh, the sort of like the the planning out the level of like, ah, damn, there's a word for it. And now I can't think of it, man. There's a <clears throat> it's Ooh. almost like he he formulates plans and executes them. Not necessarily like he stumbles through them, but in the end, he still accomplishes the goal. He's like, oh, I need to go to this place and like find out who my mother is, you know, yeah. and um, yeah, he's competent enough to. to yeah, like, competency. That was the word. Like, Thank you. To follow the threat, to be the de like the armchair detective to his own yeah. life story. And that almost feels fantastical. That like, yeah like the journey is almost the purpose itself the purpose is for him to go on the journey you know and it's just it just so happens that it's they're cliffs like he goes he does the thing he's meant to do yeah and it flips his it flips the script on his entire understanding and no matter what like. no matter what happens he's always started life 
like in the nest made on the side of the cliff you know there's there is like in his world there was never a way for him to climb up like there was never a way for him to get out of where he was he's always gonna have to walk off the cliff to start you know to start anything and and that's what you know goes back to what you were saying scott is like you watch the movie it's the most notorious villain ever made it's the joker like you know who it is whether it's you know um mark hamill or whether it's uh who's his name from the shining uh, Nack Nack Jickelson. Nack Jickelson. <laughs> Nack Jickelson. If he's in here, you know, if you've seen him or if it was all the way back in the Adam West, it doesn't matter. You know who the Joker is. You know how he's supposed to act. He's a very two-dimensional character. Everybody understands him. And to like to be able to come in and change the game with it, you know, he changed the format of it of who he was as the Joker, how it was presented, gave him a story, gave him an actual background, gave him a name, Arthur Fleck. You know, this was pretty big movie to to take the the reins of, you know, pretty big name to try and work with. And I think Joaquin Phoenix did a great job, personally. No, he did a stellar job. His you acting know, was um, fantastic. The direction was cr- was crazy. Well, not crazy, good, but it was good it was very well done everything carried a flight like it all had the same tone you know yeah it felt like you were in this fictional world of gotham city it felt like it was a place that you know you could reach out and feel that Uh it felt like the setting you know like i was but the but the the city itself didn't i don't want to say like that um I almost feel like Gotham was like the name Gotham was a was meant to be a placeholder for anywhere. Like it could happen anywhere. It could happen to you. Like that that's kind of borrowing a lot from the killing joke, how like all it takes is one bad day, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, which he but said I in feel this, like that. Which he said. Did you catch that? He there's a uh when he when he turns around, he's sit it's when he's sitting in the, the apartment of the woman. And she comes in and she's startled, and he and he turns to her. And he's like, "I had a really bad day." I didn't catch that. Yeah, I did. That's, that's yeah. what he says. I had a really <laughs> bad day, and I can remember sitting in theaters going, "Oh, you probably you probably pointed that out to me." Oh. That was, <laughs> but yeah. They, they, I mean, it's yeah. I was I was just gonna say it's a it's a fantastic movie all around you know and you know uh, Joaquin Phoenix isn't you know the only actor granted he's a stellar performance in this movie you know very stellar sells the role of the Joker so incredibly well you know I don't know anyone who could have pulled off this specific movie like he could have right I lost um, my train you... of thought <laughs> and I just remembered it but it was uh-huh. that he it, you shouldn't feel bad if you sympathize with him. Mm-hmm. is that like that's what this film is supposed to do it's it's a there's a if anything it's supposed to make you feel for this person even though you know you're not supposed to like you know who the joker is you know you're not supposed to like this guy you know he kills people 
but it doesn't matter because you get to see his like they humanize him in a way that is so yeah grounded that's what i that's what i wanted to talk about was like when people refer to you know other people as like as monsters but like it's to it's to like it's almost like what they have to tell themselves and do in their heads to remove humanity from a person who did something awful or evil of but course. at the end of the day they they are a person people are like they, it's like people refusing to acknowledge that other people real people that could be you know their neighbor or their dentist or their fucking barista like it's like they want to fucking not acknowledge that it's those people around them that could be capable of such vile acts mm-hmm. you know it could be. not i don't not think Gary, in though. the movie i don't think in the movie joker did anything vile or disgusting like he killed people until the but, end yeah like he he killed people but <laughs> there was like that. he was like... ma- he, he wasn't macabre about it though mm-hmm. which doesn't uh, get like uh, that is that is evil yeah macabre not so much but it's not like he was conniving it one could argue the first one was maybe a no, the first but, one. But you know, when he cho- like when he chased the other kid down, it was like, okay, yeah, it's not self defense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. When when the kid runs away, for sure. Um, but he like fucking headshot. But when he when he when he kills Arthur Murray on the show, though, that's a very like. That's the like that's the definition in a weird. way. I guess can you say it's the definition of a planned murder, like homicide, because. You know, there's the scene of him before the show sitting in his apartment and he's like, has the Arthur Murray show on and he's like acting out, coming on the stage, you know, yeah. and and he sits down and answers some of the, you know, fictitious questions that they would ask him. And then, you know, and then he like would plan to bro- blow his own brains out. And then it we, you know, as it plays out, it it turns into him turning it on to Arthur and it or. Mm-hmm. So Murray. it's like, yeah, the Murray, uh, Murray name. Franklin. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's just kind of like, even that sequence of events, though, it doesn't feel wrong. It feels like the escalation of things. You know, at that moment when he was in the show, he was planning on killing himself, you yeah. know? And then when he gets to the show and he keeps going, it he turns builds himself from, up. Yeah, it turns from I don't want to kill myself. I want to kill this dude who's the embodiment yeah. of everything that I hate, you know? And yeah. it, mm-hmm. it's this natural it. building. Mm-hmm. So then yeah. wait. Yeah. Wait. Um, so in the dressing room scene, right? After mm-hmm. he meets Murray, right? Murray closes the door. Um, you know, Joker, he's staring at the mirror, right? And then he goes to his chair and he, you know, pulls out his gun and tries to shoot and it blanks, you know. Um that... Blank. it just clicks then yeah it clicks okay yeah yeah it clicks sorry um to me that feels like the moment of like well this is my last chance you know this is if if it happens you know then hey it happened right um to me that feels like okay well um surprise <laughs> um but i don't know where i was going with this it's just i don't know he had this whole plan and then he sat down in the dressing room you know i want i wanted to get your take on that because that one kind of came at me at left field what do you mean the he sits down in the dressing room and, and tries to kill himself with a gun 
right before going on the show. Mm. I I didn't actually even take anything from that. I didn't think about that. Maybe it's the, maybe that is like the the final straw and he finally embraces it. Cause, mm-hmm. cause I, I do feel like when he goes onto the show, mm-hmm. that is the moment that it's like, hello, everybody. This is every part of the Joker. This is the Joker. Mm-hmm. You know? No, and of course. And I, I do agree with you on that. It's just, yeah. you know, I, I don't know if, you know, if they intended it for it to be like, oh, maybe he was just nervous and this was the only way he could calm himself or, you know, like whatever have you. And I want to get you guys thoughts on that. Cause it, it, Kind of came out of left field for a guy who has a plan to, you know, yeah, do it so I, grandiose, right? I I agree though. I think the the plan, and I think that just goes to show or to reassure the audience, like the like the viewer, mm-hmm. um, that the plan was for his brains to go everywhere, not Robert De Niro's. You know, right? I think right. I think that reaffirms what what Corey and I had speculated, or or at least it provides additional, um evidence for that to be potentially the case because i i i feel like anything that we hypothesize or speculate has to be like taken with a huge grain of salt because of how unreliable you know mm-hmm. arthur is as the as a narrator you right? want to know what the movie makers say hmm. Ooh. so there, there was a um there was a an interview with joaquin phoenix where somebody asked him like what is like what is the what's the meaning of the film, you know? And and you know, before I answer this, what what do you guys think? Like what is what is the film trying to say? Like what do you what is your takeaway? What's the like the overall thesis at the end Gary of the, day? the clown is a nice guy. <laughs> Gary. <laughs> You've done nothing wrong to me, Gary. You've done nothing wrong to me. <laughs> um Alfie, did you want to go first? Because I'm I'm still kind of like trying to piece them ahead well i'm kind of caught between (laughs) i'm kind of caught between like like yeah is there even a meaning if i had to try to really pull one out Uh um it's just that it's not so (laughs) cut and dry you know like there's not there's not a very like concrete statement Mm -hmm. that i feel is made at least like I think maybe it casts a mirror to, you know, the audience, like to the mm-hmm. viewer and like says, like, you know, how how have you treated the lower class? <laughs> like, how have you treated somebody with a, you know, with a disability? Like, how do you how do you view these people that like for them just being is a struggle? Like Arthur carries cards that says, please don't mind my laughter. Like it's a condition, mm-hmm. you know, how many people returned the card to? I don't think that lady did on the bus because it does say return the card. Yeah. Right. She kept Please it. Please kindly return the card. Uh-huh. And she kept I, it. I, I, I caught that. When I, was re- when I was watching it this time, I was reading I was going like, Please kindly return the card. It's kind of like one of those weird rules you see at like a, at a, you know, just some random shop that's like, you know, like don't kick the, <laughs> the door open. And it's because that one yeah. dude put his foot through the door. This feels like one of those, like, please kindly return the card because somebody, like, chucks it back in your face. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, yeah. So you think kindly was, like, literal, like, return it nicely, please. Yeah, like, think <laughs> yeah, about all the, I mean, situations the situations you have to give them the card. Yeah. And you're, you're already probably taking it as, like, oh, yeah, you're laughing at me, right? 
like oh you're making fun of me like what's so funny like every every other person has basically gone what's so funny dude you know um and the card is basically saying please return <laughs> the nicest possible way um so I, I can get why they had to specify that right don't you find I can also see of, his thought yeah. process being like they'll see I'm I'm just different. They see that it's not my fault and they'll leave me alone. And more often than not, uh, they don't leave me alone. Mm-hmm. Well, from the filmmaker's mouth, okay. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna actually play the audio, but the quote basically was that uh, in this interview with Walking Phoenix, somebody asked him like, "What is the ultimate? Like, what's what's the meaning? Is there a meaning? Like." I'm sure when you were showing this and premiering it to your friends and family, they all, you know, they want to know what the meaning of the film is. What What is the whole purpose? Mm-hmm. And, um, and both the Phillips, the director and, um, and Joaquin Phoenix both say is like, there is no meaning. You know, like <laughs> there is none. Like, that's mm-hmm. the whole point is like, you can come into it and you walk away with different meanings and and it tells yeah. you different things like society did this man dirty and then you watch it again and or somebody else watches it and they see different things and it's like that was the purpose wasn't to make a film that said something about society or said something about us that, that wasn't the, the way that they were approaching it they were approaching it from the point of like todd phillips the director likes villains you know he just likes a good villain he likes what makes a villain tick and so his basis was when he was writing the film was to write it for joaquin phoenix like he wrote the role for this actor um and once it kind of hit the stage they figured it out on the way and so a lot of the stuff was not necessarily meant to be you know um so there the moral is that there is no meaning it's it's just they wanted to make a grounded and good villain, and this is how it kind of manifested. Um, a, a good example of the impromptuness of the filming was the the aforementioned bathroom scene. So in that scene, Arthur Fleck had just killed the the college kids and is running through the city and runs into a bathroom, locks the door, and we never see this happen. But that scene in the script is written so that Arthur Fleck can get rid of his gun. He can get rid of the evidence. That is the purpose of that scene. Huh. And when they were there on set doing it, or not on set, when they were going through it in the script, um, when Joaquin and... (laughs) Yeah, when Joaquin Phoenix and Phillips were talking, and Todd Phillips were talking about it, they were just, you know, he was expressing, uh, Phoenix was expressing his concerns about this scene you know not playing it or not being as good or whatever and and so he's like well come on let's let's go to the set and so they go into this into new york because it was it was filmed in new york Uh um and they go to the set and he sits in the bathroom and they're they're in the bathroom for like an hour trying to come up with this scene trying to figure out how the scene is going to work with what's going to suit the movie the best and finally after working on it working on working on it um todd phillips played this piece of music that the composer had sent him the night before and he was just kind of listening to it and it was supposed to be for the movie it ended up being the score for the film and like it was like a click moment 
and Joaquin Phoenix did this weird dance kind of routine and uh and it made its way and so that whole scene loses the gun it loses like the purpose of getting rid of evidence to not be associated with this crime mm-hmm. and turns into this beautiful kind of metamorphosis moment where it's like Arthur Fleck is seeing himself finally like he's he's literally gotten rid of this mask now and the Joker has peeked through for the first time. But it also shows like how the filming of this movie was very like every day you came to the set, it was an open-ended bag of what what you were gonna get, you know. They uh they said this movie took I think about as long to film as it or it took as long to edit as it did to film because um they just because Joaquin Phoenix gave them take after take after take after take of different shit and every single time it was really good and so there's just he the todd phillips said there's there's hundreds of different versions of this film that -hmm. exist on somebody's hard drive that and that's why we spent forever editing it is because of how the the varying performances by joaquin so that, that that was part of like the research that I did that I thought it was so interesting is because that scene is very synonymous with the film and like it's a very big moment that people remember, but it was a moment that was not scripted, was completely impromptu and completely changed. But that's also like one of the things they they said throughout the entire film is that that's what made this film so good was that they were able to every day they came in and they were able to flex with what they were prepping and doing and fit the movie that they were making, you know, they wrote it down and then they felt it out as they made it, which is really interesting because that's a big risk when you make a movie and to make one of this good, you know, on that kind of mentality is, is, is it, it's a hallmark of, of good movie makers. And and that's about it. (laughs) Like, you can't do that unless you know your role, unless you know your character. Of course, of course. And it does kind of beg the question, you know, to transfer to other DC movies of like, when is this style of movie or when is this type of like, um, you know, love and dedication towards, you know, the movie you want to put out, um, go towards these other DC movies, you know? Um, when when are we going to see that in the future? Because there's been a lot of criticism with DC as a whole. Um, in yeah. terms of their live action movies being kind of subpar and not being that great. Um, I think the last good review I had, um, I had heard of was uh, Aquaman um, at the time. And I think Wonder Woman. Right? It's mediocre, both of them. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it does beg the question of like, when when are these other DC movies going to get some kind of love like this, you know? I, I think it's coming. Um, in that same interview that I watched with Bradley Cooper, like he said, that Todd Phillips came to him and they had this idea for a universe, a darker universe, DC universe, starting with the Joker. Um, That was in one interview in passing, but then in that interview with Joaquin Phoenix that I watched, he was also talking about, like he said, this was for verbatim. His words were um, not verbatim, but in his own words, he said that if, like if if it was Todd Phillips and Joaquin's choice, mm-hmm. they'd probably still be filming right now for 
the next film or the third film. Like they would just they they would have just kept going, but mm-hmm. because of the way it is, it's like at the end of this day, you pack up and go home, and you are now doing your laundry and taking your kids to school, and like you got your life back. But he's like, but if we had our if it was just us doing our thing, we would just keep going because we have so many ideas, so many places, and so many like so many different opportunities that they were eager to express and kind of feel out and see where it went. Um, that it's, it's with, I have no doubt that he'll come back to play the Joker again in the sequel and whatever, you know, spins out of all of this. Cause this is also a weird take for this, for like the beginnings of Batman. Like this is not, ne- it's never been this, this woven quite this way before mm-hmm. there's been a lot of versions of of batman and and the joker but never the one where joker's anarchy causes the death of of thomas and martha that's an interesting take for sure yeah and builds very interesting when you can see already where that motivation against the joker is already like ingrained from childhood and that's mm-hmm. just a different take on it. Now, do you think um, the what's his name, um, the new Batman movies are gonna have any sort of tie with you know? I, I don't know. I was wondering that too. I'm really, I'm really curious. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be cool to see this kind of like this kind of Joker, you know, along with um, the new Batman, which I keep forgetting his name. Um, I Robert forget the actor's Pattinson. name. Robert Pattinson. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah I think that Dante. Come on, we watched a movie kid. with him, Devil All the Time, Robert Pattinson. The <laughs> You're evangelical, right, the evangelical pastor. That's I'm sorry. When I saw Spider Man shoot the guy, I just, I just, out of my head, out of my head, out of my head. <laughs> what are you going to oh, say, Alf? A um, couple things. <laughs> oh, gosh. I, do you think. I, I was actually going to ask if you guys saw it. Um, if you guys saw it. Or what you thought of Joaquin Phoenix reprising his role as a Joker, given his bodily condition that uh, he oh, undertook. I have some information you know? on that as well. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm just, I have all, I have all. <laughs> uh, so to get that role, he did the, uh, he did the Christian Bale diet. Ooh. Oh, really? Yeah. Apple and some ciggies <laughs> and water. Yep. Or no, coffee. It was a uh, coffee, apple and cigarettes. Yeah. So when they were, um getting ready for filming they were like it was like there was a lot of production and pre-production up to the actual like filming and Mm -hmm. in that lead-up time they you know they they were going to film in september and so it's like june right so there's like two months from the start date that they're going to film and joaquin is still like 180 pounds and he had to and he's and they're like (laughs) todd phillips is like so like uh when do you start doing this thing? Like you're going to have to lose, like you're, we, they talked about whether or not they'd lose weight. Like, and that, that in of itself, that weight loss thing is, was something that Joaquin brought to the table when doing research about mental illness and the medication side effects that come with some of these things. And, and, uh, weight fluctuation was a big side effect for a lot of these different medications that he was researching side note he's really interesting because in this interview they asked him about this stuff and 
like they asked him about the violence in the film and whether or not something like this would you know how this affects people stuff like that and his response to it was i'm not going to talk about it on camera if you and i if you want to talk about it off a camera that's cool and we'll have an extensive conversation but the studies show that any mentioning of it in good or bad on media is a net loss and is ne- never good it's always bad so I, I just i don't i stay away from it and i don't talk about mm-hmm. it and i was like wow. fuck man that was so good like that was fucking sick and he sits in his chair like this he's given like a <laughs> professional interview and he sits with his knee up it's it's He's a weirdo, ah, but it's cool. Ah, dude. No, that's but, a that's a that's a power move right there. <laughs> so, but but back on track, he was um the the weight fluctuation thing was something that that was brought up because of the the medication side effects, and so he mm-hmm. he brought this up to Todd Phillips, and he agreed that this is a good idea. And he goes, well, how about I just gain a bunch of weight? <laughs> He's like, so, so there could have been a film where Joaquin was just a pudgy, like, you know, doughboy walking around. Yeah. He was more of a penguin joker. Than- <laughs> and he has a neck beard. <laughs> he has a neck beard and he walks around with a fucking anime waifu pillow. <laughs> but so there is. Dude. Oh, hold on, hold the yeah, phone. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think I oh, need yeah. to see this alternate reality version <laughs> of the Joker and see if that particular demographic that I'm kind of roasting would still cling to it <laughs> to the same degree. Like the V or for Vendetta. Like it, 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 just... yeah, or if it would be like their fucking, their fucking swan song. They're like, anybody understands. <laughs> well it was about he he weighed 180 pounds like two months (laughs) two months before filming began Uh so what did he get down to 130 so in two months he dropped 50 pounds and what's his secret (laughs) that's what the guy asked him they're like how do you do that like you know and he's and he and todd phillips one of the director was talking about it too and he's saying like he's like dude you know, we can get you trainers, like we can get you dietitians and nutritionalists and like and stuff. So like you can do this healthily and and right. And he goes, <laughs> and he goes, no. And and Joaquin told me, he goes, I got my own way of doing it. <laughs> and and so he just ate a fucking apple a day <laughs> for until Jeez, filming started. Man. And yeah, like that's that's a commitment on a role that like you got to be. You're on a different level, and you got to screw loose. Like Christian Bale, Joaquin Phoenix, they they got some screws loose. Well, I understand Joaquin Phoenix because he comes from like a cult. His family was um, his parents like he was he was born into a cult. His brothers, his sister, was all like really, that. yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, maybe I'll do if we ever watch a film with him again. I'll do research on it so I can tell you all about it. But yeah. Uh, okay. Like I'll they... pick out another movie. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, wasn't he in? Uh, wasn't he in Signs? I don't know. Give us a sign if he was. Melly Gibson. Maybe. Joaquin Phoenix. But um, literally, so yeah. But in two months, he lost fifty pounds. Damn, that's crazy, man. You heard it here, folks. An apple a day keeps you hired for the movie Joker. Hey, there he is. I was right. <laughs> What the fuck? And 
Okay, sorry. This is a uh, sorry. Mm, you're good. <laughs> I was going. I I went down the signs rabbit hole, and it has nothing to do with what oh. we're talking about right now. But uh, uh wow. some, other, some other cool stuff about this film that I thought was really cool when I was watching and researching background. Um, when they were writing the film, they actually made a map of Gotham City, a a a real map that they use, and it wasn't like a crudely like on the back of a napkin map. It was like they had a, a real artist render out a a map of Gotham City, and it's used in the film. You can find it and see it um when they're in the metro station and whenever they pass a kiosk or anything on the wall that is a map of Gotham, that is the map that the writers and filmmakers used when you know, filming and, and storyboarding and figuring out the story. Uh, God, that's good that, attention to detail, man. That's nothing goes undone there. Nothing gets untouched, man. Well, I love it, it. There was a point to it too. It was like, mm-hmm. because part of what they want to do. And one of the things that I love, and it's one of the things I love about DC comics in general is that they make cities characters. So like, you know, Met- metropolis looks and feels so much different than Gotham City and the the citizens and the heroes and the villains it's they all kind of take on their part of everything it's all in this complete package um and you know New York and Marvel is the cent- like may as well be the capital of the earth so mm-hmm. like i like it when cities and stuff have a character and Gotham in this movie is proclaimed by the filmmakers as a character of the film um they they did a lot of planning and like conceptual work before the filming ever began of how gotham was going to feel so that you felt like you were in new york because that's what it was based on it was based on 1980s new york it was how do you feel like you're in gotham but you can go you can be transported to other realms it's you know new york is the land of realms so like when you're where Arthur Fleck, you know, lives, it feels so much different than where Bruce Wayne lives, you know, but it's still the same city. So how do they, you know, how do they go about getting that? How do they accomplish that? And one of the big ones, can you guess it? One one of the big ways that they would alter the city, it's the lighting, but there's a bigger theme in the movie that they use. They would black out, windows less reflective windows think, no it's a theme in the movie they talk about it it's a big part of the city it's part of the thing that's happening in the city they there would be a lot of homeless there was a people new, around there's news broadcasts about it there were uh murray jokes about it on the on his show thomas wayne right it's the trash they talk about the city is overrun with garbage. There's trash everywhere. He makes there's a the mention of like New and York City says we have, huh? <laughs> What'd I, you say? I, was, I said and it's, and, <laughs> and it's littered too because I was referring to the you know how they call the people trash. <laughs> Thomas Wayne makes like a garbage people joke. Mueller. <laughs> Well, <laughs> well, Murray makes a joke, though, of, you know, they say we have super rats. Well, how do you solve that problem with super cats? Super cats. Like, 
the trash and the rat problem is a big like motif of the entire movie and they use it time and again to give you reference of just where everything is happening um so th- uh, on scenes where murray or where arthur is going back to his house there's like trash piled up on the side of the um buildings when he's mm-hmm. out back of the comedy club and he's kicking the trash and he's in the alleyway there's trash everywhere in that scene but as you get further away from the poverty and you make your way into opulency there's less of it and you don't see it as much and trash is taken care of and not just discarded you know it's there's a cleanliness to everything there was talks about that and the type of architecture of the buildings where arthur grows up and lives versus like when he's tailing the his neighbor for the first time and she goes like into the bank i think it is and the bank has a completely different look like all that stuff was meticulously planned ahead of time that wasn't just like good film days and good places to get their sets like that was all part of the plan like to make the city feel bigger and more alive than just a backdrop you know what i mean see that's cool i didn't so the jokes about the rats and all the trash you know talk on the news and whatnot completely escapes your mind because you're so enveloped in the talk of like oh what's gonna happen you know all like thomas wayne drama you know the joker drama it it does a good job of like focusing your attention on joker but puts in these little like sprinkles of detail that you can pick up on your second time around you know because i i did not pick up on that dude yeah (laughs) i'm gonna be really i didn't didn't pick pick up up on the trash stuff till i saw it with alfie my second time Uh around yeah like i i I was like i realized that from the in the like that's i think that's actually the first line in the film or no no the first line like the first scene is is arthur being chased down the the surge but when he gets into the um back to the like changing room they have the radio going and it's talking about the trash in the city, the trash oh, problem. Gotcha. Like it's it's right there in the very beginning and it sticks through all the way to the very end. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of funny how much it's reflecting a 1980s New York because I think anybody who grew up in 1980s New York could tell you that it was a trashy, dangerous city <laughs> that was that was defined by either places of extreme opulency or watch your back, clutch your purse and get to where you're going to go because you never know who you're going to see. You certainly don't get on the subways after dark. Like that lady did with, with the, and the college kids came around. Like that's what, what makes that scene really believable is that it's a belief. It's real. Like that was something that happened and probably, and still does around the world, but it's, it's not an outlandish scene. It's just the outlandish nature of what happens in it. Yeah. Which, is there anything you, more you want to talk about? Because I have a final, th- I have like the final wrap up. I have something that, the final question of the day. I have a final thing. Ooh. So Ooh. I want okay. you guys to expend all of your, all of your <laughs> thoughts. So mine, mine isn't more so about the movie, but mine is more um, just a question regarding this. Because I feel, I find myself bringing up another comparison of the three 
iterations of this character, right? Same with Spider-Man, where there are three iterations. Um, which do you guys prefer that's been portrayed on scene of our generation, right? For like Heath Ledger, Jared Leto, or um, Jared you know, Leto doesn't Joaquin count, Hughes, right? <laughs> Okay, out of the running. Jared Leto, automatically third. Automatically that's his third. laugh. You think I'm joking? That's his laugh. No, I know you're not joking. I know you're not joking. It's that, it's hey, somebody, hey, somebody call 911. Corey's choking on something. It's, it's the terrible acting of Jared Leto. <laughs> Quick, get him a lozenge. But so, so then it becomes a question because Jared Leto is now vetoed out of this. Here, look. Right? Ooh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here. Okay. So what we have video uh, is perfect. Joke a laugh compilation. This is perfect. This is perfect. This is perfect. Oh, no. Look at this. Oh, no. It's a comparison of all three. Oh, no. It's a comparison (laughs) of all three. Oh, boy. I can't wait. I was going to do a Mickey voice, but. Oh, boy. I can't hear anything. Yeah, me neither. Oh, it's muted. You, I think you muted the video. Yeah, there is. What's right. so funny? Freak! I like that one. Oh, I have to I have to mention this too. Um <laughs> so they part of in that scene when he's putting on the makeup. Mm-hmm. That was part of the research. So in all the research that Joaquin did, he actually would do his own makeup. And and trying oh. to find the character and who Arthur Fleck was, he was on this search and he would put on makeup and do it himself. And they found the way the character looks kind of through that exploration. <laughs> and but he sent this picture of just the white. I don't know why I keep doing the face paint, but of just the white on his face, like the typical Joker. And right. there's something super harrowing. Like this, that's what they said. There's su- something super like unnerving about it and that's the reason they didn't go with it and it's also the reason they used it in one particular scene which we just saw there's that you know in this um yeah he's like shirtless towards the yeah, end of the movie it, right? and it shows that like it looks very creepy and that was the consensus on that is like it's too creepy to use so they they went with with something else go, go back to it let's break that one down Let's stare when we, at it. When we let's go stare back. into the yeah, void. Yeah, let's stare at his little bones. Yeah, stare into the void. <laughs> That's yeah, that is pretty fucking unnerving. You know that that doesn't look like a Joker movie. That looks like well, he's, like he's also not wearing of the grudge or the yeah. You know, he's not wearing the red smile. Do you yeah, think that's you're just right. like adding to it right he look he looks like the like a like it looks a, like ash face like yeah you know something yeah. an enemy like a in a, in a video a creepy game pasta come to life or that yeah i was gonna say like a character out of a video like it, it almost looks like a god of war character that just has ash mm-hmm. you know like god of war like kratos right. you know like the the white on his kind of deal yeah, yeah it looks i was gonna scary. say he pulls a venom snake rope like <laughs> Alright, let's get let's get that. Is this a joke to you?
I need a machine gun. Oh, here we go. Are you sweet talking man? It's it's pretty bad. I can tell you, man. I don't even I don't even want to watch the rest of that. Here's some behind yeah, the scenes. So we're not. Yeah, but no. anyway, my my question still stands between the two jokers of our time, um, because I'm pretty sure we never grew up with you know Jack Nicholson right as our Joker, right? Um, between the two, who would you say is the? I wouldn't say better, but gives a more convincing performance. Um, Mark as Joker. That's the correct answer. <laughs> live action. Live action jokers. Live action jokers. Mark I mean, Hamill, Mark Hamill's still alive. I mean, Heath Ledger Joker. isn't even alive anymore. You know what I'm saying? I'm just being real. Like, no, no offense right, to him. Right. You know, so if you're asking, which, which one do you like more? Real life. Do you, which one do you like more? Joaquin Phoenix or um, Heath Ledger? I think oh, it's... Oh, okay. That's the question you're asking. Um, Well, you know... I feel like this sounds really good. Pretty bad. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, this is why I feel like there, there's a there's a quote by Mark Hamill about the Joker's and he, that I really liked, and it's that I think someone asked him one time, which was like, "What Joker do you like the most? Like other than yours, you know? Like what version of him do you like the most?" And the he, what the he comics. said, well. <laughs> What was interesting is he said that I he said he doesn't think that there's any right one way to play the Joker and that mm -hmm. for every generation and for every, you know, whatever, there will be a person who can that will embody the character of the Joker in a way that will take on its own form and that to each form exists in their own right. But none of them outdo or are better than the other. Like, right. they all exist in their own kind of continuum without and and i just like that because i feel like that's so true is that there's never a repeat performance you don't feel like anyone is trying to be any I've other joker this one <laughs> yeah you know they they didn't look at jack nicholson and go like well i gotta be that cartoony bastard no i you, they went completely different and this one which would I would say is more like Heath Ledger, you know, maybe later on, like you could see it leading to Heath Ledger because it is so much more grounded, but like even still Heath Ledger's Joker is so different, you know, and he's, he's kind of the hysterically like evil, you know, like in chaotic where this yeah. is, this is reason. Like this is creation in a way of, of something chaos. You know, it's it there. There's a necessity for the chaos in this world, um. So, I I just don't think it's a it's a fair comparison. I think they're all fantastic. I really do. Like, all right, cars for both parties. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yes. 
That's which one? Heath Ledger or or Walking Phoenix? That's rap. Yes. That's rap. It goes back and forth. It, goes, it comes around. It comes around. That's a wrap. That's that's my answer. What do you think? <sighs> I mean, you are Scott. right. I mean, you are right. They both have a very different take on them, you know. And I think that's just the direction of how they wanted to go about the Joker's between both movies. Um, yeah. So okay. So I guess then the okay. question is now become if you really want to get an answer, which performance did you personally find more enjoyable? Or which one, uh, like, what what Joker experience do you prefer? Or would you watch, like, if, if I was like, hey, do you want to watch The Dark Knight or do you want to watch, jo- uh, you know, The Joker? I would and say I know that, And I know that that's different because <laughs> Corey would say The Dark Knight because Batman's actually in that movie. I, I'd actually guess. say The Joker. Really? Yeah. Okay, I, well, I I've do. been wrong before. <laughs> Yeah, when I answered that question in my head, I, I, I said the Joker. Well, I just, because the Dark Knight's really good, and it's a Batman story, it's really good, but it's also, like, what's so unique about this movie is that it moves. Like, it's two hours long, and it's about one character. We don't get a cutaway, you know? We don't get, like, the... Here's the B story going on with this other character. We don't get that in this movie. It's all about Arthur. It's all about him. Mm-hmm. And you don't need that other thing, but the movie still moves. It keeps your attention, and you, and you keep going from scene to scene, and it doesn't feel like it slogs at any point. It's, you know, with I feel like I can t- keep taking stuff away from Joker. I guess mm-hmm. it's also been a while since I've watched The Dark Knight. Maybe I should watch that again and then and then <laughs> and then tell like, you. Come back to the <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that might be a better choice. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no. Um. I'm I'm kind of more in favor to The Dark Knight actually. Um. Not to say this movie wasn't you know enjoyable. It was a really really good movie. Um. I enjoyed sitting down and actually watching it. Um. And just you know being enveloped for the whole movie. But there's something about the Dark Knight that, like, it makes you want to see more of this chaotic evil that, you know, has no answers to it. He just he moves, you know, like a dog shit in car. You know, he just he just goes. You know, um, it doesn't feel like there's an off switch with that Joker, um, with Heath Ledger, and that's that's enjoyable to watch. You know, it's it's pure chaotic fun. You know, um, and that's something I kind of really enjoy from Heath Ledger's Joker. Um, you know, outside the whole hospital scene with the button. Right. <laughs> well, Nolan, um, Christopher Nolan for the the Dark Knight trilogy did a lot of did a lot of comic book reading, especially of like the Long Halloween, um, and uh, Dark Victory, that those Tim Sale comics. Mm-hmm. And he incorporated that. Um, there's a scene in the Dark Knight where, um, the Joker burns a bunch of cash at the docks just puts them up in flames that's an almost one for one rip of a comic of like a a a still from the comic books a panel but Mm -hmm. this film and this leads into the final question is that this film in a way does its own comic book references as well i mentioned the i had a bad day quote while he's sitting on the couch and approaching and and talking to the neighbor that didn't ultimately exist but Scott, what did you take away from the final scene of the movie? Oh, the uh, the scene where he's dancing, right? Oh, well, yeah, he he. Um, no, like the no, the, no, no, no. The final final scene. Arkham. He's 
Yeah, he's in the white tiled Ooh. hallway and he's walking down and there's the blood steps of he killed his the the psychiatrist or whatever. Social worker. What what did you mm. take from that? I mean it's <laughs> seeing the journey and then seeing what he's finally become, you know, it it is I would almost say like a scary realization that this man's basically gone. You know, the man he was is basically gone, you know, if he was ever there. Right. Um, and that, that is one part scary, you know, to realize that, Hey, that could happen to like just about anyone. So you take it literally. Okay. Alfie, what do you think of that? Um, given, you know, his, his track record, if you will. Um, I I question whether like whether even that is real, you know? Is this just taking place in his head? Is he is he did he have some sort of like is is it in reality a summary of the events that may have transpired leading up to, you know, the city going up in this, you know, and all these riots? Like is that is this is getting really like I I feel like I have a way to uh like artsy i think we're on the same wavelength you want it it. but is that him being like there is no more arthur you know kind of like what scott was saying but it's like a hype oh uh, interesting it's like a metaphorical manifestation of it in his head where Mm. he's like the joker gets to run free now and there is no more arthur maybe it's not the social worker's blood it's actually arthur's blood because there is no more arthur anymore and I think this also ties into what I was talking about earlier, how like, no, people like people aren't monsters, like there's monsters, but like people are still people and they just did bad things. Um, It's a it kind of like also shows that you can't you can't get him like that, like he's pretty much just like a chaotic entity at this point, like. Like, if Batman were to face off with him, it's not like he has a weak point in his mom. Like, he doesn't give a shit about his mom. His mom lied to him, and he's like, ditch that. Like, that's her. no longer my identity, you know? Yeah, he, he cut ties with her. He basically, you know, cut ties he with his past. literally killed her. He murdered her. <laughs> well, I think I think it's one of those things, because let me, let me hear what you guys think about this. Because... Okay. This is basically that whole scene when I watched it in theaters first time and every time I watch it now, my thought goes to, uh, I th- I think the book, I wish I had looked it up and gone and done it before this, but the um, the book is called, uh, I think it's The Man Who Laughs, Joker, The Man Who Laughs, something like that, but the... There was also a audio log in one of the Arkham games that was similar in the fashion of how it was constructed. But basically, it is this whole story of the Joker's background, where he was in life, and he in in this version he was, you know, he was approached by people, he was down on his money, he needed it, he had a family that he was that he was providing for. And so he took this job to repay the debts and to get money. And then he went to Ace Chemicals. That was when he had the fateful encounter with Batman and fell into the vat of acid and became the Joker. Mm. And 
in this story, in, in the Arkham games, Joker is telling this to a psychiatrist who works at Arkham Asylum at the time called Harleen Quinzel. Mm. And obviously Harley Quinn, but in the game, you know, it's just a fun Easter egg. But at the end of this story, a gut-wrenching background of this downtrodden man like Arthur Fleck with a life so concretely set in in the city with motivations so well crafted to become who he is now and at the end of the interview he says something like you know or, or at the end of it Harleen goes oh that was a good that's a good story you know uh Joker but you told me four different ones last week, you know, and it's like you get to the end of this story and it's just come to realization that it's just this finely crafted manipulation by the Joker. And it's like, it's the Joker, you know, what do you expect? And so I feel like in a lot of ways, that's how this movie ended of like, he's telling the psychiatrist what happened to him. He's telling the social worker what happened. And it ends the film with him leaving, having killed, having killed her and going, you know, the question becomes, was any of this real? You know, like, yeah. like the girl who was living down the hall that ended up not being real. How much of this is real? How did he shoot three kids, three assailants and not miss a single shot? Mm-hmm. You know, he shot seven bullets and that pistol seven rounds i looked it up i checked that was when i watched that scene in theaters i went like i counted them in in the theater and then i went back and looked up revolvers that had seven like a seven round chamber and they exist so it was like okay i'll give it but to hit all seven especially with a kid running away down the subway block having never fired a gun before in your life that that's one of those scenes where you, you you said it earlier Alfie you get to a point of like you're watching like it, it it's too crazy it's too wild it's too perfect it's too everything everything is too falls into place mm-hmm. and so where those details are a little too perfect or a little fuzzy or you know Everything yeah, the, just the works out perfectly. And the stakes can raise. Exactly. It's just right. all part of that manipulation. Are we just the psychiatrist? Are we the social worker? The whole if movie. So, we got a fucking Dark Souls screen at the end. Because we died. <laughs> <laughs> I think the answer to whether or not that's the case comes with the second movie. <laughs> you know? Because if they if they go if they keep going where none of that is a thing he just right? keeps telling origin stories <laughs> <laughs> but but you know what i mean like if if the next movie like he breaks out of the asylum and goes and does whatever in the city then we know all right it was all made up but if they use part of it or in true master class joker fashion this would be the way that i would do it is you you sprinkle you take snippets you you choose the things you want to carry over to reality and then you choose the other things that got blown up from the story so you know like like wayne's parents dying in that you know in this theater thing maybe the protests you know bringing all these things bringing details together 
and then building a world that you could see would influence the caricature that the Joker would make to tell this story. I don't know. It's it's a way of looking at it, you know. <laughs> well, it's a good way to end a movie like this, I'd say, just because it leaves it up to your imagination. You know, I'm making you question, like, oh, what's this? What's that? You know, is this real? You know, him being mm-hmm. such an unreliable narrator. Um, to end the movie this way, I think, is probably the best way to end this movie. Right? Agreed. Just leaves you wanting more. All right. So out of out of maniacal clown laughs, out of, out of ten of those, how many do you give this movie? Oh, okay. I'm gonna give this the Mark Hamill ten out of ten. Mark, wow, a perfect <laughs> Mark Hamill ten out of ten. Alfie. I mean, it really is a probably the it, best. I'll give it a, a Heath Ledger uh, nine out of ten. You know? Ah, but <laughs> well, oh my bad. Heath Ledger's Australian, so I gotta give it a six so that it, it looks like a nine. Shut up. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, R.I.P. Norm. Oh no, you're looking at the oh, goodness. Oh goodness, we're we're looking up the Batman series. The TV Michael series. Keaton, man, the the man, the myth, the um, also man who transcended the Marvel and DC universes. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. Romero. Yeah, I'll give I I give it a a solid like nine and a half. Caesar Romero bombs like do you remember those or is that like a reference that's too far out oh i don't remember his left i remember no, the um, i don't i've never not, seen not his left but life. the batman let's see adam west i have like brief pictures of like jack nicholson but that's it bro this what is, like... is this <laughs> mega man bomb doing <laughs> One of the big scenes from the movie. Dude, this scene is ridiculous. So that's what I'm talking about. I give it nine and a half of those. <laughs> nine and a half. What, what happens to these two ladies? They're just gonna keep beating. No, he yeah, runs. Dude, he ends up. He ends up running down the docks with the bomb in hand, with the fuse going, and like he run. You know, they, he runs through the scene, same scene, like six times. But like every time he runs past, like something, like progressively worse. Like he runs past, like a. a uh, like someone walking a, a dog puppies yeah and then he runs past again and there's like a child in a crib and he runs <laughs> and then he ends, i think he just throws it into the water like oh my goodness <laughs> like, batman oh my goodness batman but yeah that was uh so we watched the joker i think it it gets a a nine and a half mm-hmm. grand total scoring from us um let's see I guess I could put this on. It's going to be so sudden, so fast. No no fading until the program gets fixed. Um, so, let's redo that then. We watched The Joker. 
and uh, we gave it a resounding nine and a half laughs out of ten. Right, you, you, we gotta, we gotta draw the hand. Yeah. Uh, we gotta draw the mouth on the back of our hand. Oh yeah, yeah. Ah, 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 ah. <laughs> um, if you uh. And we should probably start doing all this stuff in the beginning of the podcast where anybody might be listening. But if you want to catch uh, Scooty Scott Borgstrom to the uh, to the right of me, if you want to catch him during the week, he streams over on at uh, twitch.com forward slash Scooty Wins. Um, Mutt Hardcastle is where you can find Alfredo. Um, maybe one day when he does that. It's not he yet. Said soon. So he said soon. That's, yeah, that's a, a lie. Coming soon. <laughs> well, I gotta, yeah. you know, yeah, I, gotta, I gotta wait. I gotta get my, I gotta get my capture card. Uh, oh yeah. Um, and uh, and you're already here for the Paradise Podcast Network. You can find uh, the show on Spotify if you search PPN or the Paradise Podcast Network. You can also find us on Twitter at the Parapod Network and over on YouTube at the Paradise Podcast Network. Um, next week, it is still September, so we are still in the throes of Superhero September. Um, this is also on HBO. I didn't know if you guys knew this. This is also considered uh, Batman Month because Batman oh. is this month. But um, Scott chose. Uh, this week's video or this week's movie The Joker I chose last week's uh, video Superman 1978 that means uh, for this coming week Alfredo you have you have the reins to choose our torture oh, I'm gonna pick a fucking bad one okay well we've seen a lot of good movies recently so I mean I think it's due what would be, what would be a bad superhero movie Green Lantern oh yeah it's pretty bad and I love and I and I love Ryan Reynolds, but is that what we're gonna nah, watch? Dude, it's just not okay, worth it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, not, it's not worth it. I've never seen it. Never it I've seen it once. Oh, but you know what's a good superhero movie with Ryan oh. Reynolds in it? Oh, oh. free guy. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, man. Uh, yeah, let's watch Deadpool. Deadpool one or two? Yes. <laughs> talk about both. I'll probably watch both anyways. I want to talk about the continuity between Deadpool one and two. Okay, and for additional homework, that. you gotta watch every single X Men movie. <laughs> no, you gotta watch. One I'm gonna do that at with some point. Ooh, Okay, actually, I want I want a coin toss. Um, okay, okay. I want a coin toss uh, okay. between the two. Uh, I want a coin toss between Deadpool and Logan. Okay. We got a coin here. We got a coin. Got a coin. All right. So All go right, get your you cat, and I'll choose heads or tails, and you're going to throw your cat in the air, and we're going to... And if I fucking dome her, <laughs> it's Logan. All right. Uh, let's say uh, let's say Deadpool's heads, and uh, Logan is tails. All righty. It is tails. Logan? Yep, it is Logan. That's no, good. I, I, some bullshit. I was <laughs> you secretly hoping do that. The thing, I don't man. care. That's People what we're going like, with. Usually they catch it and then they go like Who that. Cares? You just See you next week. I haven't seen Logan, so that's what we're going to watch. Me neither. Oh. All right, all right, all right. I love Logan. We've <laughs> really? all seen Deadpool. We haven't seen Logan, all right? I haven't <laughs> seen Deadpool. I waited to watch it with my friends. 
<laughs> oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye. Yeah.